Hello, I'm Rosalind and welcome to Researcher Revealed. Today, I thought we'd have a bit of a deep dive into what collaboration is all about as nurse researchers. A couple of weeks ago, I posted about an experience I had with collaboration on social media and I got loads of comments and questions about what it is, how to go about doing it. And so I thought I'd reach out to a really good friend of mine who's also a nurse researcher, Sandra, and ask her to come on and to tell us a little bit about her experience around collaboration. And with that, Sandra, over to you. Tell us who you are and what your research is all about. Thank you, Rosalind. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, so um, I'm, I'm Sandra, I'm a nurse. Um, I graduated in Portugal and I've worked clinically for a few years. Um, and then I moved uh, to the UK in 2014 uh, when things were still good uh, and had a really good time there. Uh, I stayed in the UK for nine years. I worked in clinical settings, but mainly in research as a research nurse and a research sister uh, with expertise in neurodegenerative diseases. And uh, last year I moved back to my home country, which is Portugal, which is where I'm um, joining you from. Um, and at the moment um, I'm um, doing my research um, every day. Uh, so I've left my clinical role at the hospital uh, which is a big change for me, uh, mm. but I'm really enjoying um, being fully academic. Wow, thank you so much. Can you just tell us just briefly, we'll uh, revisit the three-minute thesis horror, um, just very briefly, what are you researching before we get into collaboration? Yes, um, so I'm researching integrated care, so it's about how do we bring different uh, partners, institutions involved in people's care to work collaboratively for uh, better um, patient outcomes or family outcomes. Um, my uh, research is particularly focused on people living with long-term neurological conditions. And because in Huntington's disease, uh, which is a rare disease, there wasn't really anything when I did my systematic literature review, that's where I'm focusing on in developing a model that improves outcomes for people with Huntington's disease. Oh, that sounds fascinating. And I might have to have you come back a different time and tell us more about your research. Oh, yes, but please. <laughs> for today, you said in the introduction that you were and you started your research based in the UK and now you're in Portugal. I can only imagine how much more tricky that might make things like collaboration if the rest of your supervisors, your research group are in the UK and you're in Portugal. Can you tell me a little bit about so far in your experience as a nurse researcher, what collaboration has looked like for you? It's been really, really, really good. Um, it's definitely a difference uh, from being um, in England to moving back to Portugal, uh, but it actually hasn't had a, a, a negative impact um and i've worked for it as well uh, so it's not mm -hmm. like naturally it would just be smooth sailing um, mm. nothing is in research um but so for me collaboration has been very influenced i think actually by my phd topic okay. uh, because my phd topic is all about multi-sectoral uh, approaches so i tend to look at collaborations the same way mm -hmm. uh, what are people involved in different fields and sectors mm -hmm. that I could be linking with um, to 
promote my future research. So I'm actually mm -hmm. not just looking at the present, but in terms of future impact. And particularly as I move to Portugal, I have to redo um, all my networking. Um, I'm trying to look into, you know, in terms of government or a voluntary sector uh, or, you know, community work, uh, all, all of those sectors. And how can I have um, influence or a bit of like my, my um, not hand in the pie, because that sounds very hungry, but just to have that perspective, basically, that understanding. I found that really interesting that you're talking about it much more from like a multi-sectoral perspective. So in my own experience, when I first started as a nurse researcher, I thought collaboration was purely all about um, getting together with other nurse researchers and getting involved with their research and that the win would be uh, getting your name on one of their publications for example, or like your name as a, a co-applicant on a grant and things like that. And I spent my whole PhD working really hard to do that and feeling like I'd fail because I, I still haven't. Well, no, I could take that back. I've got my name on a grant now that wasn't me driving it, but I've never been a, a, a co-author on anybody else's publication yet. Um, so I love that from your point of view, you're talking about collaboration being a wider, a wider scope. Can you give us an example of possibly in your own research what that looks like and what success as a broader view of collaboration is? Yeah. Um, so in terms of things that I've, uh, while well, you were talking, for example, about um, you know being co-author um, mm -hmm. due to collaboration, that's one of the things I've been able to achieve. Oh. Um, and yeah, so much through collaboration. Um, so last, yeah, like last week or something, um, I've published my second uh, co-author paper uh, with a team, thank you, with a team in uh, Denmark. And uh, oh. that was all to do, um, so basically uh, we were, we have a UK team, which was me and my mm -hmm. PG supervisor. And then we had uh, mainly the Denmark team leading um, okay. on, the, on, on these pieces of research. So we had two different papers, one looking at like policies um, uh, across Europe for people mm -hmm. with Parkinson's disease. And we have the second paper looking at if a care coordinator would be useful. So it's linked to my field. But basically, it was always like these pieces of research were always a step ahead of where I was as a PhD student. So it really was beneficial because when it came to my time to lead on that research, I already had the experience of working with senior researchers wow. that had supported me in doing that. So it's been it was really good. And this was, you know, these are people that I have never met face to face. Wow. Um, so so, the you know, um, technology really helps and it doesn't matter for them if I'm sitting at my desk in Southampton England mm -hmm. or if I'm sitting at my desk in um, Castelbranco in Portugal so it doesn't matter. That's so fascinating so your group at uh, University of Southampton where your PhD is anchored were connected to another group in Denmark and it was through that sort of network and those relationships that you've built up that you've now been published with a group in Denmark. Wow you're like all over the world. Well, that's good. <laughs> it, it's it's really good experience. And um, what was it like last December or something? I think it's a bit 
putting yourself out there, isn't it? Like I knew there was this European uh, Huntington's Disease Network group and they had a, a task force, let's say, within that bigger network that I really um, felt we matched, like our interests were a good match. And I approached the group leads. Uh, so basically cutting a long story short, I'm now part of the group and there was this meeting happening, this conference happening in October. And I've put together like a little little idea, like how would we structure, so like with a proposal and we got approved. So basically I moved from being in the group to sort of like have like now leading um, this meeting in October on an European like conference where we're gonna, you know, we have a nice purpose as well. So it's all about like connecting uh, with people and just uh, putting yourself out there, isn't it? <laughs> well, I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think the truth about collaboration is you do have to be brave. And like you say, you have to put yourself out there and you have to sometimes step outside of your comfort zone. And I think possibly your positive experience that you had that was supported through your your PhD research group at the University of Southampton probably gave you, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, gave you a bit more bravery to reach out to this other more European-wide group and, and, and to move forward. Yeah, I mean... They're an extremely supportive group. So I'm part of the long-term conditions group at the University of Southampton. My supervisor is the lead of the group. And she's um, always like telling me to like explore opportunities, not just like dive in into everything that shows up, but really like don't just say no because you're scared. Basically, that's yeah. what you know, that's what she's saying. Um, because that, that's how you grow isn't it so she they you know my supervisors are really um encouraging and actually um they're all from different countries um most of them are based in england but i always have uh, i also have a supervisor in australia which i have never met face to face i mean um wow. so we're quite used i think because i started my phd during um covid as you know as covid was a pandemic was starting um it, i never had a face to face supervision so, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, I think in a way I was used to, to, mm -hmm. to do things like that. And so yeah. I don't find it strange to do uh, strong work um, via, you know, tele, teleconference. So that's really cool. I love what you said your supervisor says. Don't, don't say no because you're scared. But also I love how you've learned through your experience and likely like a lot of other people etc accelerated through COVID to to not let distance or the lack of a face-to-face -face contact slow you down that's really really cool um so those are some ways that you've collaborated um that you've seen success out of and for everybody who's listening make sure you do check the description below because we'll put a link to the papers that Sandra has been a collaborative author on as well as we'll put down the website of the conference that she's going to be at if you want to um look into what that's about as well as how you can find Sandra on social media um that aside Tell me, for you yourself, at the stage of your career where you're at, so um, you're a little over halfway done your PhD, right? Yeah, yeah a little right. over half, getting close to finishing. Um, what have you found the, the benefits to collaborating? How has that helped you as an early career researcher? I think visibility, that is definitely one of them, because 
um, I think people can only want to work with you if they know you exist, basically. So, you know, it's not like if you just stay quietly working, you know, in a corner, opportunities are not likely to just knock on on your door isn't it so um I think it's going back a bit to putting yourself out there for me it was always about not just the papers not like you know not just the h index or whatever but to have that impact on people's daily lives and I know I can only reach that point through you know policy changing um uh, so actual like those clinical clinical outputs um that make Mm. a difference on people's reality so just connecting with academics, it's not going to do it for me. So, mm. of course, it's going to depend on what people want in their fields. Um, I've even thought about going into politics, Rosalind, um, honestly, oh. because I was like, well, people have no idea. You know, again, I'm in a different context. People have no idea what a nurse researcher is. I mean, like, um, so I'm I mean, quite in a rural area so you know but still I thought I I thought after 10 years things would be a bit better so but they aren't so it's up to me to um make them aware you know of what nurses can do so I feel quite uh you know a feisty advocate for this um and I I need to be visible so that's you know that's why I thought you need to be in a place of decision making basically mm-hmm. you know not not yeah. just informing but really pushing yeah. the change yeah. through so um that has crossed my mind but i need to get my phd done that's the priority <laughs> well put this on a shelf so interestingly um i went to uh, a, a european wide and actually to be honest it's worldwide because there was people from like australia and australia really isn't europe but anyway no um and there was a whole subsession all about exactly what you've just addressed is um, the need for nurses to be involved in policy and to be on those panels because it's one thing as a nurse researcher to create evidence, but if you don't advocate, if you're not visible, um, you know that research may never make it into policy. And how much better would it be to have people who are nurse researchers who are up to date on all the, the the latest research but who are also creating research themselves to help inform those policies that drive things like our care pathways in our healthcare centers wherever we are in the world and they're they they actually called on the whole um hero of nursing Florence Nightingale and highlighted that not only was she a nurse not only was she an amazing statistician and you know kind of put those things together but she actually was a political reformer as well um so there there is that facet to it so it doesn't really surprise well, me that you're interested in it <laughs> well I, I you know I I love baking or eating in general but I love baking as well and actually just making like a really good cake that you've put you know days into it and you order material and whatever just specially to make that cake and then not sharing it with anyone That's you know uh, what's what's analogy. the point you know you make the cake and then you don't share it like there's no benefit so I think just to maximize the the work that's already done but someone needs to channel it into the right direction so that we can move forward so um yeah i'm i, I love that analogy like that. sharing sharing the cake that you've baked. Share your cake I mean, people 
I love that. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm going to put that on my pocket. I love that one. Okay, so we've talked about all of the good things. Mm-hmm. We're going to flip the coin. What about the, the challenges that particularly for me, I'm interested in, I'm likely looking for some tips here. Um, those challenges, because you are, like you said, in a rural area in Portugal, and those, your supervisors, that group that was so helpful at the beginning of your journey and setting up those collaborations, they're now back in England. So what are, what are some challenges that you've personally found are really hard around collaboration? Uh, I think one of the things is if, if a lot of the um, networking opportunities start moving to in-person, you know, as, as I've seen yeah. a lot more events moving, that's okay. going to be a true challenge for me personally, uh, because if m- m- the majority of my connections are in England, it's, I, you know, I am living here. The point is not to be uh, always like commuting. I can t- I'm not sure if you can call it a commute between countries, but, um, but I do have to be, you know, it's that having that flexibility, I do have to be flexible. And it's not like I'm living in a city with a big airport that I can just jump into the airplane easily or with uh, great public transport. So for me personally, the logistics of getting anywhere, okay. it, it's, it's a bit complicated. But also, you know, it, you take a risk by putting yourself out there and, mm-hmm. and then you wonder, well, can I deliver now? You know, you sort of like you, you build yourself up to take up uh, the risk. And then if you mm-hmm. actually then have to, to do something outside your comfort zone, speak to people that, you know, might be your role models and you're like just, you know, you're scared to be discovered uh, that actually you're not as good as you, you know, may have sounded like. Um, but that's just, you know, imposter syndrome doesn't matter at what stage you are. I, actually, I hear that the higher you are, the worse it gets. Mm. Um, so it's a bit like shush, shush, those little voices. And yeah. if you're scared, just go scared. Either way, it doesn't matter. Just uh, keep going. <laughs> that reminds me, oh my goodness, being... On social media, I follow one of the, um, I think it's called like Chasing Sage. Anyway, it is dude. And he has been videoing his children learning to snowboard. Um, and it's quite cute and quite fun. Um, and it's viral. So that's how it ended up on my feed. Not that I snowboard. Um, but it, I watched one the other day that they put out and they were doing something so the dad knew how to do it but the daughter didn't and she's like five so she's tiny and the dad said to her are you scared and the dad was like and the kid was like yeah yeah, yeah I'm scared and so the dad goes what do we do when we're scared and I was expecting like some sort of like take a deep breath or you know whatever and this little like this little thing this little five-year-old is like we do it scared. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, you know, a five-year-old knows it. And I'm, what, 35? It took me this long. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, too funny. I know. I felt the exact same way when I watched it. I was like, oh, I have oh, so man. much to learn from this oh. five-year-old. <laughs> oh, but that just oh. shows, like, that the next, you know, the next generations are, um, hopefully will, you know, well, if you're educated that way, you just have a different um, 
you're not so adverse to risk taking, isn't it? Or, you know, you, you, you just oh, go either way. And it's about people's personalities as well. But I would say actually to play to your strengths, you know, if you're not such an, you know, um, you know, not eccentric, but, you know, if, if you if you're not if you're more risk averse, let's say so, um, just maybe connect to someone that it's a bit more, you know, that doesn't mind to speak up a bit more or that can link you in and just, you know, give give you that pep talk that you need um, to just give that that step forward. Because, um, of course, you know, not everyone has to be a great public speaker or, you know, have a massive uh, fo following on social media, whatever, but just just that have, finding that supportive community that that can take you along it's really important um but, yeah. yeah no that, that's I, I i totally agree i mean for me um like we know each other before social media but i remember seeing that you put up about the the paper that you're just co-author and i was like yay because anytime anybody publishes anything in research i'm like yay because <laughs> it's yeah. such a long battle um mm. But then like we were chatting and I found it really interesting because so for me, as much as I've been trying to and have been working on collaborations and stuff, my success was very different than yours. And when we were chatting, it was quite funny because I was jealous of your co-authorship and you were jealous of my first authorship. Yeah, whining. And I, I was whining. <laughs> yeah. and Still waiting for my first author paper. Jesus. Uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're the only one who's going to make it happen. <laughs> oh. First authorships don't, don't get landed on you. <laughs> no, I just need to, well, make a really good cake, I guess, for an editor or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, I think, I think I bring that up because I think, for me, I really struggled to see that I was having success in collaboration and when I start talking to other people and we're sharing like what I've managed like what my career has looked like people actually helped me see that hello you've landed a postdoc job in Norway it's introducing you to a whole new group of people a whole new group of nurse researchers who are then they've got their own networks but for me, I was holding that co-authorship where you didn't have to do as much. You didn't have to do all the work that you have to do as a as a first author, but you still get a publication. I was holding that up as this is my measure of success when it comes to collaboration. And because I hadn't achieved that, I kept saying, oh, I'm not I'm not doing it right. I got to keep trying. And so I kept doing more and more and more. But it wasn't until I spoke to other people that I realized hold on there's lots of ways that collaboration can look successful and that's why I really appreciated your examples of not just that that authorship as a co-author but this other symposium that you're doing I wonder before we move on um to the last little bit that I wanted to talk to mm -hmm. talk about is can you tell us because you've mentioned it a couple of times now your collaborative efforts when it comes to connecting for you um, in your research area, those neurodegenerative and the rarer diseases, how collaboration looks like when it comes to that population that you're working with or the general public? Yeah. So again, because I was, I, I'm, I'm into reach at every level, like my mm. micro, meso, muscle levels. 
So um, I know, like, just uh, I, I wouldn't. That's not intuitive, but once I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, this is sort of like what I'm doing. And you're right. It's once you're talking to other people that uh, you realize how much you've been doing that may not so come so natural to everyone. Yeah. Um, so, and I thought when you asked me, like, well, I, I'm only a PhD student, you know, like I, you know, I, I don't even have my, I want, I don't even have my first author paper, Rosalind, like, uh, but actually, I thought, you know, you know, Sandra in year one would have liked to know these things. So hopefully mm. this is for the year one Sandra's out there. Um, okay, so um, how am I uh, connecting? So, yeah, to, to like the non-academics. Yeah, so I felt that was really important because mm. as a research um, sister um, that I was for many years in Southampton, I would get really annoyed when people would do their piece of research and actually the participants would be the last ones to find out or actually not even be updated at all about what had come out of the research or mm. and I and to and you call them to take part on the research but it's like they were not engaged a lot, a lot of the researchers were not engaging with the community beforehand so I started um Going, going really big on social media. Well, for me, for my you know standards, um, on social media all over. But actually, I saw you know what, people that are living with these complex conditions, you know, the normal citizens are not on Twitter. They're not on LinkedIn. I mean, my supervisor told me like TikTok, which I sort of like, no, I just can't. That not yet. I need to be brainwashed for that. But I have Instagram, so I I went on Instagram, and I started. I I can't imagine yet myself on TikTok. Maybe I'll grow. Anyway. You know, it will grow on me. <laughs> but uh, I, Instagram has been the way. Instagram and Facebook for me has been the way to really connect to the lay person. And, okay. you know, run my ideas through them, hear from their needs. And again, I'm back on a country that I have not lived for 10 years. Mm. I don't know how people are using the healthcare system here. Is it accessible? Mm. Like to who, who is it accessible to, you know, and then we have all the wider determinants of health that it's beyond, you know, the health sector, the, the housing, the transports, all of yeah. those things. Uh, so that's how I've been connecting um with the, the normal people which is you know i know we're people but in a way you know we have uh, pro we're probably a lot more privileged than than many others mm. um and again i'm dealing with people that are vulnerable because mm. you know um of the nature of the condition because of the burden that it mm. puts on the families and I thought, you know, people are in their sofas at night, you know, nearly passing mm. out in front of Netflix and they're just scroll scrolling through their feed and they want some you know, light contact content yeah. and it's on Facebook and Instagram. So yeah. keep people engaged and informed through the route that they're actually using so yeah. that they're not hard to reach because we're not going to the right places. So oh, that's um, clever. I love that. I love that. They're not hard to reach because we're going to them. Yeah, yeah. I well, you know, app. again, you know, if I'm in all my palace, uh, <laughs> you know, then people, the other people are hard to reach, isn't it? They're not coming to yeah. me. Well, get out, yeah, yeah, yeah. get out yeah. through the gates, mingle. <laughs> so, I love it. I um, love it. No, so and people are really. It's just we can learn so so much, and I'm in a bunch of groups um, that I can really 
get the sense of how does a person experience care if they're living um, in Nottingham or if they're living in Bristol or, mm. you know, I don't know, Cardiff, whatever. Like, you know, it, it's just, it's so different. And actually, because yeah. I'm amongst these groups, the posts are just so, just so honest. Because one mm. thing is to do an interview as well with, um, you know, with a person, everything's planned, the conditions yeah. are controlled. Yeah. And another thing is when people are just putting their hearts out mm. um, to be like supported with really, yeah. really um, heartbreaking situations. Yeah. So it's just, again, depends on what you want. And I, if I want, I want to make an impact at a, per, at a person level. And I know, yeah. yes, it, it has to come, you know, from yeah, yeah, above yeah. that decision yeah. making, but it needs to be relevant for yeah. who are yeah. who, who we are doing the actions for. Yeah. So I, I go from what is it that you need, and I can only know yeah. what they need if I, I'm close enough to yeah. to have that conversation with people. Oh, thank you for sharing. That's really beautiful. I love that. Like leaving your castle, mingling, and getting connected to that population that you're you're aiming to come alongside and improve the situation and I think I think that's something that <clears throat> I think often like you I was a research nurse in a previous life a lot of like the big fancy researchers the you know they kind of lose hold of that sometimes and I think in the UK a lot of major funders are now using a stick to make sure that researchers um, include that patient voice because pretty much every grant that you put in now has to have patient representative. But I think there's a difference between that tick box activity versus the activity that you're talking about doing. So I really appreciate you sharing like how deep you've you've gone and how connected you are to to that. That's really, really interesting. Right. Top tips. You mentioned her before, so I'm going to bring her up again. Year one, Sandra. Or even year two, Sandra. Or mm -hmm. year one, Rosalind. Somebody who, wherever they are in their journey, let's be honest, is struggling with this idea of networking and collaboration. What would be your three top tips? to get somebody started? Okay, so I think uh, something people may not realize when you want to put in that grant or when you want to do you know, any piece of work um, and if you wanted to actually go anywhere with it or, or secure the money, you mm. need a team and that's not mm. something you can do quickly so I would say what is the impact that you want to have you know what 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 are you foreseeing I try to think about this in terms of like all of years ahead mm -hmm. um to start lining uh lining up the ducks putting the ducks okay. in yeah, a row yeah. or is that yeah, an expression yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so get your ducks yeah get your ducks in a row so yeah. um start for me I think again you know younger yeah my younger self would be get on that LinkedIn account, you know, start <laughs> following the people that you, you know, that are your role models, yep. work that you've enjoyed, people that you would like to work with, start yep. linking with them. Um, I think in terms of collaborations, LinkedIn, I think it's it's the best place I, I find. 
but again, you know, what sectors do you need to have an influence on? Who could strengthen your team? Yeah. Because, you know, yeah, yeah, your young self, you know, as people are listening at this moment, uh, what would strengthen your position? Think about if I'm going to put a grant now, what are my weaknesses that I could cover up with my collaborations and then go for them? And if you ask, honestly, most of the time people say yes. And you say in the email, I, I, I can't pay you. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, maybe we'll meet once every three months. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You know, just uh, just email me when you need me, whatever. Just send this thing through. I'm like, really? And people are like, I don't know. Like, they're just, uh, yeah, they say yes. They say yes. They send you stuff. They review things for you. The, it's amazing. But if you don't ask, they'll be like, well, the, you know, again, they don't come and knock at your door. So, so that takes me to just put yourself out there. You know, you really need to put yourself out there. And the second point is be willing to take the risk. You know, mm -hmm. uh, yes, you'll become more visible. Yeah, you might say some, you know, it might happen that you say something and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't realize this person was X, Y, Z. But actually, the next day, they might be offering you a postdoc, as it happened with me. So, again, just put yourself out there, take the risk. And then, if you're scared, just do like the five-year-old. Go, scared, doesn't matter, move forward, scared. It will pass, it's fine. And actually, if you're bad, think about it. If you're bad, people, yeah, what, what is, people will, don't, will, will want, oh, they will not want to work with you in the future. But if people keep saying yes, it must be because you're doing something right. So again, quiet, quiet your imposter syndrome and focus on the facts. So, um, but you need to give that step forward first. So start connecting. I love it. Get your ducks in a row. Put yourself out there and do it scared. Yeah, love it. Yeah, love it. If you're not scared, you're probably stupid. So it's normal to be scared. Yeah, if you're not scared, you're either very, I don't know, like, let's not think about it. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be scared either way. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't want to well, be offending like, people. <laughs> no, 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 but it's like, it's true though. Like, um, I, I can remember as a nurse talking to patients and they'd be like, oh, I'm so nervous and blah, 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 before they were having like a big procedure or whatnot. And I would always say to them, if you were telling me you weren't nervous, I'd be more worried about you. Because being nervous before doing something that you feel is a big thing, now whether that's a surgery procedure if you're a patient or whether that is as nurse researchers reaching out to the, that person you want to collaborate with, being scared, I think just means that you are doing something that's pushing you outside of your comfort zone. It's not necessarily, and maybe we need a new word for scared because scared in my head anyways, always is like, Ooh, should I be doing this? And I think maybe it's, mm. it's something different than scared because it isn't about it being dangerous. This thing that we're doing is actually, it's causing us to, to grow and, and push ourselves. So yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and my, you know, I was discussing my husband the other day because we're, well, it doesn't matter, but uh, we're 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 getting we're we're planning to build a house, and it's just oh, a, it's just a PhD number two or something, and um, 
and we were like wondering, you know, what to do in this situation or that. And and he was like, have you noticed how it is? It's always idiots that are sure because smart people are all like, you know, we're we're wondering, you know, is it better this or that? You know, you're think you're thinking, you know, like, but idiots are always sure. So it's amazing. Oh, I love your way with words, Sandra. I know you oh. sometimes feel. <laughs> That because English is your second language, yeah. that you sometimes struggle. But the way you put your words together, um, like on social media, when we were having a private, I don't remember if it was private or public chat, and you said mm-hmm. for you, collaboration is about a symbiotic, a symbiotic relationship. I was like, that is beautiful. And like, mm, it's an unusual yeah. way of putting those those words together because normally when you're talking symbiotic you're talking like cellular organisms not macro Mm. but I think it's the perfect way of describing it is is it's that it's that coming together of two minds and even if it's not a publication or a presentation at a conference you know, it might just be a little bit of like I had um, put out on social media a couple of weeks ago. For me, it was about having that person during a time that my imposter monster was screaming at me, coming along, reading what I had written and been like, no, actually, this is good. You don't have to be scared. You can submit this. So it's not necessarily always like that headline of an output. Um, the collaboration can be looks very, very different. Oh, it's been so interesting and so informative. Um, I think we'll wrap it up now. Here's your last chance. Any other things that you want to say about collaboration? Um, yeah, I, I want to say up? one last thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah go for it. Uh, touching on your point of being, uh, I, I, I mean, the per, you know, I, I'm so smart. I thought that's Mariam. I said that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> It you know with a symbiotic symbiotic relationship. I said that because also it's not uh, just a one way route. And as I'm saying that you know people mostly say yes to things when you ask them. It's also because I'm not saying people are just thinking about themselves. But then again, they know that we can only only move forward and have an impact with with these like you know one hand washes the other. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when I said about you're you're getting support because you give a lot of support, Rosalind. So, you know, again, it's symbiotic relationship of collaboration. So, um, yeah, just another reason for people to put themselves out there. Can't hurt. Exactly. Perfect. Great. Last thing. Um, where can people find you? Um, yeah, I'm all over. Yeah. LinkedIn. Um <laughs> Uh, LinkedIn, to make Twitter. it easier, should yeah. we? Well, we'll put it my in the name, comments below. My name is unique. Yeah. <laughs> so if you just type my name, I'm the only Sandra Bartholomew Perez. Yeah. Stubborn Perfect. enough to keep all the surnames. Well done. So what we'll do for everybody listening um, is either in the comments, if you're listening to this via YouTube, or if you're listening to it as an audio podcast, in the description of the audio podcast, we'll put. Sandra's name so that you can Google her as well as links to her social media accounts. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. It's been lovely to have a really good chat with you and I've learned loads and loads and loads about you as well as about your thoughts on collaboration. So I'm very, very grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Rosalind. It was a pleasure.